Welcome to another episode of Kyperian Commentary. I'm your host, Yuri Brito, and I am uh, delighted to have our guest on our episode this morning, Dr. Garrett Dawson. Dr. Dawson is the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Baton Rouge. He's a guest professor at Reformed Theological Seminary and, and the author of several books. But the one I want to focus my attention this morning is a book entitled The Blessing Life, A Journey to Unexpected Joy. Uh, pastor Dawson, thanks for joining us. Glad to be with you, Yuri. I'm glad we can share in ministry together. Yeah, my pleasure. We had, of course, the opportunity to, I had the opportunity to sit under your, your teaching at RTS some months ago, and I benefited greatly from that class. In fact, I still think about it quite often, so it's a real joy to be with you. I have um, several questions that sort of have arisen as I, I read through this book, and I, I want to begin just by telling us a, a quick story, and then I want to hear your thoughts. When I was sure. a child, a child growing up in, uh, in Brazil, uh, I grew up in an evangelical home, but as you know, Brazil is a very heavily Catholic country. I have a, had a lot of Catholic friends. And the, one of the things that was very interesting that comes to mind often as I read through this book is that when I would go to a friend's house and say, would you like to play? His first reaction wasn't, sure, let's do it. His first reaction was, let me go to my mother and ask her blessing. And I thought that was so unique and that sort of vision in that tradition. And if the mother offered a blessing, that meant her approval and he would go forth and do what he wanted to do. But he wouldn't work, he wouldn't play without the blessing of his mother or father in some cases, mostly uh, mother. What are, your, what are your general thoughts as we begin this conversation on blessing to that, to that illustration? I think that's a wonderful illustration of the powerful symbolism of what it means in the Bible for there to be blessing, because this guy's your friend's mother would be conferring her her shining face, you know, her lit up countenance of approval of what he was doing. Then he could go forth with a sense of peace, with a sense of joy, with a sense of knowing he was doing what was right, and could come back and tell her about it without fear of recrimination and could thank her and, and rejoice that he was you know, living under her, her love, her protection, her guidance, but also her, her constant favor. And that seems like a great mirror for the way the triune God wants us to go out under his blessing. Ah, very good. Well, so as we enter this topic here, Dr. Dawson, you know, pastors and scholars, they have all sorts of unique interests and biblical concepts and ideas. Now, what led you to consider writing a book on the specific idea of blessing in the Bible? Well, several years ago, I had done a lot of research and written a book on Jesus' ascension. And even though the work was done, I was still studying the ascension. It's still a topic that, that matters a lot to me. And I realized I kept getting drawn back to the very end of Luke's gospel, where Jesus is departing from his disciples. He's ascending into heaven. But the last work that he does is to bless them. Luke tells us with repetition that Jesus lifted up his hands to bless them, and then he did bless them and departed unto heaven. And the disciples then went in joy to the temple and blessed God for all they had, had seen and heard. And I thought, there's something powerful here that Jesus' last act as he departed was the act of lifting his hands in blessing, mm. and that our response would be to bless God in return for his blessing of us. Um, that, for me, began a fascination with the whole topic. Mm. There is uh, so much in, in the book, and I think 
a lot of readers, as they come to this book here, and as they consider the topic of blessing, I think, and you mentioned this in the book, that I think everybody's first reaction when they think of blessing, they think, what can God give me? You know, it's getting what they want from God. That's a very narrow right. view of blessing. Why, first of all, why is it narrow? And, and, and secondly, how does that shape our view of God himself? Well, sure. In fact, I have a, a good friend who, who loves to read what I write, but he had, didn't want to read this book because he said, I don't like the title because blessing <laughs> is always used to be <laughs> to be about me and not about Christ. Right, right. And I, I've tried to tell him I'm trying to rescue the biblical understanding of blessing from the idea of a prosperity or a health and wealth gospel. Right. I think in common talk so often a blessing is something that I got to help me live my life my way. And if God will give me a blessing, it's the accent on my life, the sort of spiritual extra that makes everything go smoothly. Mm. And in Scripture, blessing is not about that primarily. Uh, the blessing is, is God himself and our being in relationship to him. I think I begin the book with a story that of a family in our congregation whose son was a Navy SEAL and he'd just finished deep water training in Alaska, a very rigorous training. He was a sort of man's man and leader's leader. But driving home to Baton Rouge, um, he was involved in a one-car accident and uh, lost his life. And it was one of the great tragedies in our life as a congregation. And as I began putting things together for this book, I, I asked his mother, could I ask you about blessing? You know, how have you experienced God's blessing knowing what you've suffered? And she said, well, if you mean that God always gives us what we want, or God always makes us safe and happy, I can't talk to you about blessing. Huh. But if you mean, if you mean God Himself, if you mean that God undergirds us with a sense of His redeeming presence and joy even in the worst of our sufferings, if you mean that kind of blessing, then I think I can talk a lot to you about it. Mm. Let's just go back a bit to that story in Luke where Jesus lifts up His hands upon them, and. Maybe you've had the experience of if you look at a light and then close your eyes, you still see the light shining, it's sort of the last visual impression before you close your eyelids. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense in which Jesus, in that bright light of the glory cloud, going up into heaven is leaving a last impression on his disciples' eyes and to burn into their minds and hearts. And it's the image of their Lord with his hands raised in the posture of blessing, but those hands are the nail-pierced hands, the wounds he still bears even though he's resurrected and glorified, that indicate the last image, the image to have in their minds all the time, is that Christ is over them with his hands over them in the sense of accepting and forgiving and redeeming love. And if you combine that with his last words in Matthew, you know, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, then you get this sense that what blessing is, is taking us into this, the heart of this great scriptural promise that runs from Genesis to Revelation, where the Lord says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. That's his greatest desire for us, is to be in that intimate, face-to-face -face relationship. I think that's what's indicated in Jesus' final action. One of the, I think, one of the, the primary concerns we have as, as ministers is that God's people would worship God rightly. 
And I think it's safe to say that there is an, a low view of worship in the, the evangelical uh, sphere. And I don't think it's because it's purposeful, but I think they have a low view of God and perhaps even a low view of, of blessing. How does a, a more robust understanding of blessing sort of change um, our perspective of worship? In other words, how, how do we incorporate the biblical blessings that we see um, into our worship so that we are creating an environment where God is truly all in all the, the one who ought to be worshipped and adored? It's a great question, and let's go back to the example of your friend with his mother. Yes. One of the earliest interactions that occurs is between babies and mothers, and a good mother is always smiling at her baby mm. and waiting for and longing for that reflective return of the smile. And, you know, it's a great day. I know as a father, you're, you've experienced this. When you smile upon your children and the first few times they smile back at you, um, nothing else in the world matters. There's just the greatest of joys. Mm. And so for your friend, when he would seek his mother's blessing, if she would shine on him with, with her favor, I imagine that he would be able to, to smile back and say, you know, thank you and, and show forth his love. That is what I think is going on in the blessing life, in the, in the blessing cycle of Scripture, is that the Lord puts his favor on us, chiefly through giving us his son Jesus Christ and all his benefits, but in the way he provides for us, in the way he places his Holy Spirit in us so that we can be part of his mission. And through Christ, we see his shining favor, and he is hoping for and yearning for and even creating in us the reflective response of, I bless you back because I smile on you, Father, for loving me so much. And as I see what you've done for me in Jesus, I want to adore you. I want to say how great you are. I want to um, shine my little life back towards you in gratitude and love. Mm. And that's the blessing loop between worshipers and the Lord. And we have a low view of worship if we think I'm going to arrive unprepared and expect that the music will get me out of my doldrums and hopefully right, the right. pastor won't be boring <laughs> and maybe I'll get something out of it. And quite often we're disappointed because we've brought nothing to it. But if we arrive at a worship service where the worship leaders are immediately exalting the Lord by saying how great he is, they're in a way bringing his blessing to us by saying, this is your God the God with the nail-pierced hands, the God of the cross, the God of the resurrection, the God who speaks to us and shines on us. And now, church, rise and praise him back. Now, church, make a responsive prayer. Now, church, say this litany of thanksgiving to him. Mm. And we realize we're stepping into a stream of praise. We're stepping into, maybe you could call it a loop of blessing, where we're receiving Christ and returning that love to him. Now, of course, the last piece of this, right, is that it's not meant to just stay in a, in a loop between God and me, me and Jesus, mm. but as a community of Christ's people, he blesses us, we bless him in return through our praise and adoration, and then we discover that he sends us to be part of his massive blessing project in the world. Just as he called Abraham, said, you're blessed to be a blessing. So you've gathered in my presence in worship. Now, worship is also meant not only to nurture you, but to send you. Go out there and shine on people with the love of Christ. Mm. 
I can I can guarantee you, those who are listening, that if you uh, get a glimpse of this book, you, you will increase in your vision of how God uh, is meant to to bless you and this, in this exchange of blessing that the Bible speaks so much of. And it seems, uh, Dr. Dawson, that a, a lot of this a lot it flows a lot more easily when you have a service where the pastor, where there is this exchange, there's communication between God and man. Yeah with litanies of thanksgiving, and especially, uh, which is very um, rare, unfortunately, today, when the pastor lifts his hands and blesses his people with the benediction at the end of the service. That's a practice that we, we have done here, and I'm sure it's common also in your congregation. But interestingly, it's something that I hear from visitors about what they like about our worship. When the pastor does the ironic benediction, um, it usually yes. it's, it's not the... Um, you know, the sermon that sometimes is the most uh, persuasive, but when God blesses using the minister, the people of God, the people really feel like they're part of something greater than themselves. I totally agree with that, Yuri, and it's it's almost a moment of trembling for me sometimes at the end of the mm-hmm. service to be able to pronounce Aaron's benediction from number six, since God tells us, in this way, you will put my name onto the people. Uh, there's a sense in which I say, you know, if you want to stand and receive the name of the Lord your God on your heart and life, you know, do so. And they lift up their hands as I lift up my hands. They lift them up in a receptive posture. And then as I pronounce, often with fear and trembling, knowing I'm not worthy of these words, and that it's got to be the Lord who comes through the words in the way he's promised. Um, in our church, we have them then reply after they receive the blessing. They say, Blessed be the Lord I am, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow. And then I tell them to go in peace. It's a real sense in which it can be a saving moment, because we've had a saving exchange. Yes. This is your God. We accept him and we bless him. We will go where he sends us. Um, I would hate to have a service without that, as I'm sure you yeah. feel the same way. Absolutely. I feel uh, very incomplete, as if the uh, the, the great... God's great uh, commission before he leaves earth uh, is that he blesses his people and would feel as if we're not prepared to go on this great commission without his approval. And so a service would feel somewhat incomplete in that manner also. Um, let, me just, let me just pose a pastoral question here as we, as we come to a close. And um, I know this is something you go through very often is to visit those who are dying. And these are end-of-life uh, moments uh, can be very tender moments, moments that require a lot of uh, pastoral care and kindness. Let me ask you this. As you enter a hospital and you're visiting a parishioner who is who is dying his last few hours of life, the last few days, how would you bless that member of your congregation in his dying hours? Oh, that's a really good question, and I do think it's different in, in every circumstance depending on who the person is and, and how you know them. Sometimes if it, it could be someone who's perhaps mentally not there anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. they have dementia or maybe they've, they've slipped away a bit. And I find that reciting something that may be deep in their memory, like the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23 or words from John 14, can create a resonance. I mean, I've had someone once who couldn't say a coherent sentence to me, but when I recited Psalm 23 at the end, I said, you know, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, her eyes open, and she said, I want to. Um, mm. 
and she didn't really have many more coherent words left in her life. Hmm. Um, so that role of formation, you know, I think you're trying to do so strongly in worship of a repeated pattern of words that come through ordinary times. If we can touch on that in those last moments, we awake that, that resonance in people. Of course, I think touch is important, you know, that you can take someone's hand or, or even you know, make the sign of the cross and they're for it if that's part of the tradition that, that they accept. Or uh, I think you know, when Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, yes. that there's a sense in which we, we can say something like that with them and on behalf of them. You know, receive into your arms a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming, a child of your own heart. Um, ways that we can help them make that transition in soul as they await their body making that transition. The blessing life let me read just a little portion from the end of the book, Dr. Dawson, if I may. When we, when we leave off trying to manage our own lives and receive deeply the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the incarnate blessing of God, we enter the blessing dynamic of communion with God and deepening love toward others. We join God's massive re-blessing project in the world, and along the way, joy arises in our lives. That's such a, uh, a, a fitting conclusion to the book. And I think that's, I think ultimately the purpose here, that blessing is part of this great commission project that we have to bless the nations with the joy of God. And I want to thank you for this uh, great contribution to this discussion. I'm not aware of any other kinds of works that touch on this topic here, but I'm sure that if our readers, and I'll put a link for our readers, if they purchase a book, I think they will benefit as much as, as I have from it. And thank you so much, Dr. Dawson, for your time. Well, Yuri, God bless you, and thank you for uh, talking about these things with me. I know you're a great pastor, and uh, just wish you all the best in your ministry. Thank you so much, my brother.